At PrepNet Virtual Academy, we see online learning as a balancing act. We provide options that offer structured school days. And in-class flexibility. Traditional methods. And modern advancements. A high school diploma. And an associate degree for free. It, it all, all comes, comes together. together to create a one-of-a-kind learning experience. PrepNet Virtual Academy, a new kind of school. Learn more about our virtual K-12 school at prepnetvirtual.com. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, yep. the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at lesliemarshallshow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Here to set you free. Happy Tuesday. I'm seeing that the sun is shining many places, and I've just got to say, I'm so glad, even though I'm from the East Coast, the Northeast, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts originally. I don't have to live with the cicadas, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I see things online. Woo! They they have them here in Palm Springs, and uh, sometimes when I, I go to Palm Springs, you can hear them in the trees, but you don't see them. And they don't have that number that they've come out with after 17 years. Just think, in 17 more, you get it again. But anyway, speaking of again, we're glad to have back again Scott Paul. Scott is a personal friend. He's also a great friend of the program. He is also doing a great job for people out there who are in the world of manufacturing, who are part of our middle class, our working class, as president of the Alliance of American Manufacturing, the AAM. Now, the AAM is a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. Union. Now, for over 10 years, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top-of-mind issue for voters and our national leaders. They've done it through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. More than a pleasure to have back on the show on this Tuesday, Scott Paul, who I know has some cicadas around him. <laughs> Scott, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Leslie. Uh, I was just going to say, you probably can't hear them, but I, I sure can in the background. And I just stepped outside uh, before coming on the show. I had one landed right. It just landed oh on. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Really? I just saw. Okay. Okay. A couple of things. One, I just saw this thing, uh, a, a, a comic that I posted on Facebook that said, I've been looking for books on teenagers and I've looked in, in every section. Where can I find them? And the book lady said, try the horror department. <laughs> but that to me would be horror. I have two teenagers. That's horror, a different type of horror. But that to me would be Horror. And not like, oh, the horror. I mean, no, horror, you know. Um, oh, God. You know, oh, bugs. You know, I, have a, I have a more benign view. I mean, I, I think it's pretty fascinating. Uh, I think back to like 17 years ago in the context and how much has changed. You know, I have kids now and I'm married and yeah, uh, you know, yeah. another job and all of that. And I know they're temporary, but it's, it is kind of a, a reminder of how quirky uh, and transient uh, that nature is yeah. although I will not miss the uh, carcasses and the flybys and uh, the yeah, I saw a lady online that she machine. she had them all over her because she was standing under a tree or something, yeah. and then yeah. I saw something today that said. Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. police would like you to stop calling 911 about the cicadas. There's nothing we can do about them. And, and of course, somebody posted that it was all the Democrats' fault. You yeah. know, yeah, Joe, but, you know, I mean, it's like, sure. no, this is Mother Nature. You right. know, 
This is right. uh, this is science. But I have to say, I wouldn't mind some days with two teenagers going below ground for 17 years and coming back and finding <laughs> out how it all worked out. But that's not what we're here to talk about. I do want to mention the website for American Manufacturing, the AAM. It's AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow them at Keep It Made in USA. And Scott, follow him at Scott Paul AAM. Uh, that's S-C-O-T-T-P-A-U-L. I say that because some people spell Scott with one T and Paul with an E or however you spell it. Um, let, let's talk. We have so much to talk about. I'm very excited to talk about that. Um, Peloton, um, has, uh, they, they've had a lot of press, good press for what they do. A lot of people working out. Um, they've had some bad press, as we know. You know, somebody, I thought the commercial was nice. The husband got his wife a Peloton and people are like, yeah, but look how like hot and fit she is. I'm like, yeah, you know. And then, of course, we do know that recently they had a recall of some uh, because of an accident. Um, but overall, they're a very good company. And uh, they've announced a $400 million investment in made in America manufacturing. And this is awesome because it doesn't just go in line with what you have been preaching for years. Um, but it also goes in line with what the president is asking Americans to do uh, and asking manufacturing to do and corporations to do. Make it in America and buy American buy, made in America. So talk to us about this, uh, the, the Peloton announcement uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And first, I'll just show everybody, I do not own a Peloton. Actually, the fact <laughs> that they're going to make them in America makes me more inclined uh, to, to buy one once those are, are rolling off the, the assembly line. Um but I know a lot of people do, and it, it exploded in popularity during the pandemic as well. And getting a Peloton was uh, harder than getting a reservation, uh, you know, pre-pandemic at a fancy restaurant. It was just, it's just absolutely crazy. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, you know, I listen to sometimes a podcast called How I Built This because I'm interested to see how entrepreneurs uh, scale up their companies. And there was an interview Guy Raz did with the, the founder of Peloton. And one of the most disappointing things about it, because it was so innovative, you know, the, the connectivity uh, and, and having those studios and having the video and having the feedback and all of that. What a cool thing. Uh, but they talked about supply chain and, and he immediately just looked to Asia, looked to China, didn't even consider mm. kind of an American made option. That's because that's what all the supply chain plane managers and the MBAs said. This is what you got to do. Got You got to source it from. From overseas, and and he didn't like the tariffs, Chinese products, or anything like that. Um, and so this is really good. I mean, uh, about I, I think it was a little more than a year ago uh, they bought Precor, which was uh, another uh, equipment manufacturer that does have U.S. operations. And so this and that's now, what I have. I do have a Precor. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And so th this and that. And so they 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 began having kind of a U.S. footprint uh, for for manufacturing. And this, this is a game changer. This takes it to a whole new level and a product that, uh, you know, was, was obviously there was a cost differential and they could make it uh, much more profitably in, in China. That, 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 that equation has obviously changed uh, and it could have changed partly because of the tariffs, partly because of the political instability, partly because of the fact that they can get this to market so much faster then putting on a boat, having it across the Pacific Ocean, waiting at the port of Long Beach or LA or whatever to unload for a couple of weeks, where they, they can churn these things out and get them to market very, very fast. And, and they're going to believe in American manufacturing. And not only that, they're going to do in Ohio, in Toledo, you know, which which had lost, it used to be the glass yeah. capital of the world. 
uh, and they make Jeeps there still, but they, they lost virtually all the glass. And so this is really cool. I think it's just a great story, and it's obviously a product that uh, people identify with, and it's, a, it's a, an incredibly successful, popular uh, you point out controversial, which is true, but right. but really popular company, and so I I think this shows the the possibilities, the potential for American manufacturing, for American workers, and sends a signal to other companies that it's it's time to bring some of this home. Uh, we we can do it in the United States of America. You have to you have to have the that intent, but once you do, you can find a way to do it profitably uh, in a way that's going to help your company grow as well. Well, you know, it's like the dance floor, right? You know, people want to dance, but it always takes that first couple to go out and hit the dance floor. And what happens? Then other people follow, right? Um, You know, it's 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 so true. Two things come to mind when I heard about this, Scott. Um, One was jobs, right? You mentioned Toledo, Ohio. You mentioned this plant. That's where they're going to build their new factory. They're going to apply employ over two thousand people. So I'm thinking, awesome jobs and especially after the year and a half and it could be two when we you know move forward uh that we have been through with this pandemic the second thing i think of is better quality yeah because you have regulations in the united states you have better workers with union workers making these uh products instead of the people in china who make those as i've said before those t-shirts you know three for five dollars that fall apart after one wash and I know Peloton is not a T-shirt. Excuse me. Uh, uh, yeah, Peloton. I'm a said Precor. It's not a T-shirt. But at the same time, I mean, we've seen whether it's toys that have to be recalled because of lead content, um, you know, or things that aren't safe. So, I, you know, I, I just was overjoyed when I heard about this because one, jobs, 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 and two, safety, better yeah. quality equipment. And, and then, of course, third, you know, we we have yet another product that we can buy that's made in our country. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great on all of those levels, and the fact that and and here's here's I guess the the issue, and I don't know how much of the electronics are going to be manufactured in the United States. I think that's that's an open question, but the I, I think that most people would have said, and certainly Wall Street analysts and MBAs would said, there's no way that you can do this <laughs> and, and and make it work. Um, uh, from a you know when when you have competition when you have all that low wage uh, possibility light regulation uh, in China how how are you possibly going to make this work in the United States uh, and the answer is you know Peloton is a class leader in all of this uh, a leader in more than one way and this I think will drive more companies to 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 do this to look at this uh, and there are substantial benefits. I know Precor, which you said you own, Leslie, uh, mm-hmm. is a company that has a long tradition of job training, of apprenticeships, of mm-hmm. helping their workers uh, maintain their skill set and also upskilling uh, when necessary. And I hope that kind of uh, uh, culture from Precor carries over to Peloton as well. But lots of good news for manufacturing workers or folks who want to get into it from uh, Northwest Ohio. And just starting out, 2,174 new manufacturing jobs in Wood County, Ohio, just uh, uh, outside of Toledo in Troy Township. We're going to be back with Scott Paul. We'll be back with you right after this. Do not go away. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. We 
are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome and welcome back. Back with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Also, go to Twitter. Follow both the AAM and Scott Paul there. To follow AAM at Keep It Made in USA. To follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. Scott, thank you for holding. Uh, welcome back. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Um, anything else that you want to say about, uh, Peloton, uh, one of the things and investing in America, investing in American workers and specifically American manufacturing and, uh, manufacturing employment, um, they're, you know, they're putting 400 million into this facility. It's called the Peloton Output Park in Troy Township, Ohio, located, as you had mentioned, uh, near Toledo. They will create, uh, almost 2,200 jobs. Um, and you know, this investment in American manufacturing hopefully will, as you said, catch on monkey see monkey do, if you will. Um, because you know, uh, people do, uh, do that, but you also said that their CPAs and whatnot probably were discouraging this. Um, what do your sources tell you is, is the reason are they tired of dealing with countries like China, um, where it might be cheaper, but so is the quality of their product. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you, you talked before, Leslie, about kind of groupthink and how there's some pack leaders and then there's others that follow on, and and that was certainly the case as companies kind of like shifted their operations to China. It's like, man, the labor costs are low, and we don't have to worry about pollution, uh, and this is just awesome. We're going to increase our margins, and so there's obviously a whole lot of companies that set up operations there or subcontracted. And and we know this just because of the, the size of the trade deficit. You see lots of communities in the United States that don't have factories anymore. They used to. Um, and, and so there's plenty of evidence. And, and you look at a lot of the products you buy and they say made in China. Uh, and, and so we, we know this is the case. Uh, and so what, what, what I think has happened is that um, the, the equation has changed. And you start to tally up the cost. It's like, yeah, from a labor unit cost, it may seem like it's cheaper to do it in China, but it's a little less productive. We have quality concerns. Uh, sustainability and environmental protection is becoming a much bigger concern. There's more political risk, like there were tariffs on these Chinese products. What will the Chinese government do? They seem to be pretty erratic and cracking down on things. Shipping uh, costs a lot. And, and I was going to, I was going to ask you about that because I had read that the, especially because pandemic, more people are home and, you know, people were, you know, trying to get into shape and lose weight, myself yeah. included. I went, I, I gained the weight and now I'm losing the weight. You know, it's sort of like, oh, we're coming out of our homes, you know, let's lose all that weight we lost. <laughs> and then some for me. Um, but, uh, the, the demand has been higher. They yeah. haven't been able to keep up with the demand and have that supply. And you brought up a, a good thing. More Americans are buying these, not just people throughout the world. How much does it cost to ship that from China? You know, we know how much it can be. I, I remember buying something on Amazon. They didn't have something. Uh, it, it was actually at Lowe's and it was um, a specific type that my husband wanted of a uh, skimmer for the pool, like to clean out leaves or whatever. Yeah. And um, they did not have an American made one. So, you know, I, I went to Lowe's and it was like, you know, 20 bucks. And then when I went to check out, it was 284. Cause that was the shipping. Wow. Did yeah. It. It, it could be pretty crazy. You're, you're right. And so, so one of the best practices of businesses is to have good inventory control, to be close to your innovation, to be close to your customers and, and so this, this move to Toledo reflects that, reflects that more holistic view of like, what is the total price? 
and what do consumers want? They do want a company that is environmentally responsive, that treats workers well, that can get them a product yesterday, basically, kind of like Zappos. It's like before you click the button, the, the, the box arrives at your door. I mean, that's what consumers expect these, right. these days. And I mean, Peloton knows that if it's made in America and they're branding it that way, and, and certainly the, the introductory video that they had was all, all about that, uh, as well as uh, along with the ethos of their community, which is, I think, a very special one, um, they can charge a little bit of a premium. I mean, I mean, the, not a lot, but they can charge, you know, you know, probably four or five percent more, and people aren't even going to blink at that. They'll say that's fine. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to do that. And so, customers will be happy. Workers will be happy. Uh, they'll get obviously a lot of good press uh, out of this, and their bottom line is going to grow. Because uh, they'll have more sales, uh, and they're an American company. Correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't yeah. they based in New York? They're, yeah, they're they, they were they were invented uh, in the in the in the U.S. That's exactly right. Uh, and their their studios where they you know are in New York. That's right. Uh, and so they do have uh, they do have a, an American footprint for a lot of their a lot of their video production and their innovation, their corporate leadership, but. Yeah, the, the, they outsourced all of that, and so it's it's good. And plus, they'll 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 be able to stave off. And I think this is important, Leslie. They'll be able to stave off knockoffs a lot easier. For yes. Me in the intellectual the intellectual property protection that we have here, mm -hmm. uh, compared to the Swiss cheese version of it that they have in in China, uh, where you have competitors that are also just with the you know with with the aid of the government. Are stealing your technology and then yeah. you know you know getting getting machines uh, that, and, and confusing people because you know they get in China unlike the United States they can sell something that looks like a Peloton even call Peloton spelled differently or they do the P different right or they right. do the font different but you know you can't get away with that you know here in the United States but yeah in China in China you can you know speaking of China and this is going to be completely like off roading here okay but I was just curious. You know, obviously, there's a lot of discussion now where there's more and more evidence um, that potentially COVID-19 came from a lab in Wuhan. That is potentially. We still don't know. We don't have enough evidence to say it's truly uh, a, a, an animal, you know, to human uh, disease or virus. And we don't know that it's an escaped from a lab uh, virus. But it, it seems there's more, you know, going in that direction. Do you think if, in fact, it is proven that that COVID-19 came from a lab and China more than just delayed things, but had this massive cover-up. Will that affect corporations continuing to produce and manufacture goods there, do you think? You know, Leslie, I, I wish that were the case. Uh, I don't know, because there are so many companies that have um, not, chi not changed China, but China has changed them. I mean, Apple is one. Uh, Google um, is another, uh, and there are many more that go along with their authoritarian regime censorship um, and are happy to take advantage of the exploited labor, the ability to exploit the environment, uh, and, and not talk about like democracy in Hong Kong or the treatment of the Uyghurs uh, and what have you. So I think it's going to be hard for some of them to break the habit. Uh, and they also view you know, the Chinese uh, people, the middle class there as a potentially large consumer market, mm. um, you know, and so it's for, for American companies, it's it's complicated. That said, there's more pressure on them now than ever to do something, particularly with climate goals and this focus 
on social and economic justice. And the, the Xi Jinping, the Chinese Communist Party, is getting more authoritarian, uh, not, not, not more open. And, and also more human rights abuses. And it, you know, I mean, nowadays, because of the Internet and because people can just snap things with their cameras and, you know, send it out, um, you know, we, we can see things that we weren't able to see before. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about steel overcapacity. What does that mean? Well, Scott will tell you. And more coming up right after this here with me, Leslie Marshall. I said me, Scott Paul. Me, Leslie Marshall, and our guest, Scott Paul president of the AAM. Back with him, back with you, right after this. Don't go away. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Happy Tuesday. We're back. We are me, Leslie Marshall, and our guest, Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, the AAM. Please check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow them on Twitter, at Keep It Made in USA, and follow Scott, at Scott Paul, AAM. Thanks for holding, Scott. Welcome back. Now, yesterday, the United States and the EU, the European Union, announced jointly that they're going to hold talks to address global steel and aluminum overcapacity. So tell us, do we have too much steel and aluminum? I find that hard to believe. Uh, can you explain to us what this uh, global um, address or joint address between the EU and the United States regarding global steel and aluminum overcapacity is all about? Yeah, a- absolutely. And obviously, this is not something that people could buy like a Peloton, but it, it, it obviously impacts uh, a lot of jobs and uh, a lot of commerce. Um, so the uh, the steel industry in the United States, and you think of companies like U.S. Steel that have been around for more than a century, um, you know, they still churn out steel, but there's been waves of bankruptcies in this industry. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's smaller than it was in the 1970s. Um, and I know you spent time in industrial towns, uh, mm. you know, and, and obviously see the impact that has on communities as well. Um, and, and there's there's a, a, a fundamental reason for this now and for the past two decades, and that's because China scaled up its own industry um, and uh, now makes more than half the world's steel. Uh, but they, they put steel mills uh, that, that are making basically steel for nobody. And it, 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 as you know, like if you have one lemonade stand in a neighborhood, it's going to get a lot of business. If you have 10 lemonade stands in the neighborhood, uh, the one with the lowest price is probably going to get uh, – the business, everybody else is going to go out of business. Um, Even if you have the best lemonade. <laughs> and, and there'll be no competition. That's right. And so um, so it's it, it's kind of like about those market dynamics. And, and this has been building up. Now, here, here's the deal. I mean, this didn't just happen yesterday. I mean, this, this has happened over time. The Obama administration had a chance to deal with it. It, it really didn't. It, it tried to, to do kind of like dialogue and talks. No one was interested at the time. The Trump administration tried to do something about it with tariffs, you know, the steel tariffs. And uh, the tariffs work to some extent. And I will say, as someone who you know has been to a lot of these steel mills, they're hiring people. Um, these companies are doing better than they were, say, four or five years ago. Uh, and there are fewer steel imports coming in the United States. Um, but the way that Trump did this, the tariffs, he included not only China, but also the European Union, other places as well. And there's a reason for that. 
which was just that there was too much imported steel coming to the United States. Now, we've all seen stuff happen over the last six months with supply, you know, shortages of this, that, and the other thing. And, and steel is more is a little more in demand now. Um, and the, our steel mills are getting back up and running. You know, a number of them had layoffs. And, and our, our steel mills will be able to fill these orders. But some are saying now's the time to drop the tariffs on everybody or on Europe. Uh, the steel industry, uh, my good friend, and I know yours, Tom Conway, president of the Steelworkers Union, says not so fast. We need to figure out a, a global solution to this first before we eliminate the tariffs. And so the, the reason, this is a very esoteric issue. I will admit that. But one of the reasons why it's important politically is that this is the first one of the first issues where, where Biden is going to have to, you know, he, he said, I want a departure from past trade practices from Democrats as well, because those didn't work. What Bill Clinton did on trade didn't work. Uh, what, what, what we even did in the Obama administration didn't work that well. Um, and also be more diplomatic in every way than Trump was and, and to deal with the European Union on this. And so this is going to present a test uh, starting next month uh, when the, 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 the leaders come together uh, at a summit uh, in, in Europe, but then extending through the end of the year. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be a very difficult issue uh, for this administration to navigate, both to ensure that we're defending those steel jobs, because he does not want to see steel mills close. I guarantee that. That is not a good look for a president who wants to be a jobs president, who wants to be a blue collar president. Uh, and then also dealing with our allies who feel like Trump treated them terribly. Uh, and, and, and getting them to contribute to be part of the solution, because so far the EU hasn't stood up to China the way that it should. Uh, the EU is, is, you know, has a, has a pretty protected market. And so we have to we have to figure out a way forward. And this is going to be a very, very good test of the Biden administration's commitment to a change in trade policy and also, you know, to, to engage our allies on issues like this. In, in 2018, the tariffs you're referring to are the Section 232 uh, tariffs, yeah. correct? Yes. Um, it, that was during the Trump administration. So that people understand, was were those tariffs um, uh, from the Trump administration solely or Republicans? Was this a bipartisan agreement? And and could we even say, even though I'm a Democrat, that's something that the Trump administration got right? Yeah. So uh, so, so I don't think anybody would have done it exactly the way Trump did it. I'll just I'll just say that right out of the bat. But uh, there were a number of Democratic senators, including those from states that have steel mills like Sherrod Brown from Ohio, who viewed them as very necessary, viewed them as very necessary uh, to, to deal with this. And the evidence is that they did work for the steel industry. Again, they stabilized the industry. There's some new investment. Fifteen billion dollars has been spent to modernize steel mills, to make them more efficient, more cost competitive. Imports came down in the United States, so it was to, to some degree a pretty successful strategy. But Leslie, what it didn't deal with was this issue that we were just talking about: this overcapacity. It still exists. China still has all these steel mills; they have all the steel. It depresses the price, so that that steels that operate in the free market, where they pay their workers a reasonable price, where they don't, that where they want to cut carbon emissions rather than increase them, like in the United States. Uh, it, it makes it hard to sell steel. And so if we want to be true to our values on the environment, if we want to be true to our values with respect to workers' rights, uh, and if we want to you know, hold countries accountable for uh, trade violations, and that, then the, the tariffs have to stay 
until something else comes in place. And just one last point on this. You know, the Biden administration has had plenty of opportunities to say these tariffs were terrible. They have not. In fact, uh, the Commerce Secretary, Gina Raimondo, has said they've worked. And uh, the, the trade representative, U.S. Catherine Tai, uh, or, or uh, trade ambassador Catherine Tai, has said they've worked. Uh, but we obviously need to figure out what's something with Europe. But the solution is not to just take them off and, and do nothing. Uh, and so uh, it, it's, I mean, we'll be working with them. Uh, and they've engaged, this administration has engaged the steel industry, has engaged the steel workers and has engaged others on this, on, on to try to, how do, how do we craft a solution? And do we need to keep the 232 tariffs uh, for a while until we find uh, some, something that, that may work uh, better uh, to lower overcapacity, but not flood our market with these imports that is going to put another steel company out of business? Because like you said, imports went down, but we also know, um, you know, some things in our country that are known very well. Uh, You know, we got the steel uh, from China. We also know we have a D minus in infrastructure. Is there a correlation there? Is there a reason? Is that one of the reasons that some of our bridges um, are failing or don't last as well? Because, you know, these builders, uh, you know, cut corners and cared more about the bottom line than long term. Uh, with the kind of steel that they were using and purchasing and where they were purchasing it from. Yeah, that's obviously a concern. I mean, there's an issue that we've had in California with the reconstruction of the Oakland-San Francisco Bay Bridge. Uh, that's that the bridge was, I was talking about, yeah. <laughs> years ago, and there were real problems with that. Schwarzenegger, who was the governor at the time, wanted to source it from China. And so they they tried to do it. It didn't work out that well. I mean, the bridge is up, but it was short uh, I mean, it, I'm sorry. It was it was not on time. In fact, it was way over time. It cost four hundred million dollars more than they thought it would, uh, and you know, it it took a lot of engineering on the part of U.S. fabricators to to correct those problems. So we don't want to repeat that. We we want to. I mean, you know, we want quality. Uh, you, you mentioned this about Peloton. I mean, we want quality. Uh, we want the job done right. We want a good price for it. But to do that, you need to keep the steel mills in the United States in business. Uh, That's the way you have to do it. And and you may need the tariffs to continue in order to keep that going. You had talked about climate change, um, you know, or, you know, environmental practices. Uh, China has seen its carbon emissions reach record highs uh, last year. um, And also their steel production rose 6%. Uh, last year in 2020, that's 1.1 billion metric tons, yeah. as as uh, you know. So you talked about Section 232. Is it fair to say that 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 uh, tariff stopped the bleeding, but the overall crisis uh, and the main problem is still fueled by China? Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent correct. Um, there are other countries that contribute, but China contributes an outsized role and hasn't done nearly enough to rein it in. And here's the problem. If the steel mills shut down from here, steel demand doesn't shut down. We'll get steel from somewhere. We'll probably be China. And we know that the carbon output from steel in China can be three, four times greater than it is in steel mills in the United States. And our steel producers have committed to cut back. China hasn't done that. So we're, we're going to be making the problem worse, not better, uh, if we drop the Section 232 tariffs. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Scott. We'll um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those diplomatic talks just a, a bit more, China and the steel. And we have another topic. What is it? We'll stick around. You'll find out. I'm Leslie Marshall. Scott Paul's our guest. Back with him. Back with you right after this. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. 
We are back. Happy Tuesday. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy in Talk. Scott Paul is our guest, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Please check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow them at Keep It Made in USA and follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Before we get to our uh, last topic today, um, I wanted to know if you had anything else to say uh, regarding the steel overcapacity and uh, regarding the talks, the diplomatic talks that are going to be held uh, between the United States and the European Union. Absolutely. The last thing that I will say is that clearly the pandemic has shown how important it is to have a domestic capacity to make things here. Um, You know, everything from PPE, uh, you know, ventilators, masks, uh, respirators, uh, to even toilet paper (laughs) at one point, ketchup packets, uh, semiconductors, um, you know, and so it is important to have a strategy uh, that says not only should we design and invent cool things here and things like apps, which everybody loves it too, we got to make things here as well. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean being like Donald Trump and being jingoistic and being completely protectionist and want to shut off the rest of the world, uh, but it does mean insisting on a level playing field and and infusing these these policies with American values. Like we want to make sure that workers' rights are protected. We want to make sure that we are cutting carbon emissions. We want to make sure that we have a fair shot uh, and, and that you are doing the same. And so I think Biden is right to press these issues and hopefully we can get the European Union on board because as I mentioned, they have been reluctant uh, to, to press China as much as we have. Um, and so I hope that Biden can lead them to a place uh, that Trump was unable to do in part because he just didn't have the capacity to build alliances with, uh, with any other kind of democratic leader. Hmm. Interesting. And, 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 and yeah, and I think the, the, I think quite frankly, the international community of our allies have kind of been waiting uh, for a uh, administration, a regime change, if you will, uh, in order to sit down and have these talks. Cause like you said, this, this is, you know, definitely president Biden seems to want to have a diplomatic approach to many of these things, much like uh, president Obama did when he was vice president under him. And uh, that was quite different in the last administration. Well, speaking of president Joe Biden, Uh, He made a stop in Southeast Michigan last week, a week ago. He visited the Ford Motor Company's electric vehicle plant in Dearborn, Michigan. And the company plans to officially reveal its all-electric F-150 Lightning pickup truck. Um, And I have to say, we have seen the president in in cool cars before. We know the president likes a good good car, a good ride, and he likes to go fast because I did not see Sleepy Joe behind the wheel of that electric uh, F-150 Lightning pickup truck. Um, You know, so, uh, you know, there's so much to say about this. One, you know, I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about the price of electric cars. But quite frankly, when, you know, I did some research on this and, you know, whether it's a, a Tesla or the Ford F-150, there are a lot of rebate programs in place that actually bring the cost down to be comparable or even lower uh, than some of the gas guzzlers that people are purchasing out there right now. Yeah, that's right. And that certainly, you know, range anxiety is too expensive. I mean, there's been a lot of excuses, some of them not unfounded about why why it's hard. And, And Tesla 
by, you know, some of their models are luxury and they, you know, the Model 3 is, is a little more accessible. Um, and, and, the, and the tax credits, uh, when you combine federal and state incentives, you know, it could be 10,000 bucks or, or yes. more. And so that's a, that's a pretty hefty discount. And the fact that you're never going to have to fill your gas tank again. <laughs> so, and after we just have, after what we just saw <laughs> with a pipeline yeah. disruption, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, some yeah, people, they- all the people with electric vehicles were going, sorry, <laughs> right. we told you so. Right. And so, you know, when you have a fast charging battery and when you have like a four or 500 mile range, I mean, how much farther are you going to go in a day? The answer is hopefully not, not a lot farther than that if you if you need to but this is they're, they're building these cars and trucks uh with tomorrow in mind when there will be this charging infrastructure uh and there will be greater demand for this i mean general motors already said that within the next uh basically thir- 12 13 or 14 years it's going to stop making cars with an internal combustible engine it's going to be all evs and so right. This revolution is coming, and and the Ford 150, the F-150 is so important because it is the most popular vehicle in the United States of America, and it is iconic. And so I want to see— I'm not a truck person myself, but I've got to say it's pretty sleek looking. Yeah, it's pretty cool. cool And for those contractors who are out there, you know, it's going to be like multifunctional. It's going to power a job site. It can be a backup generator for your house if the power goes out for yeah. a couple of days. It has a frunk instead of a tailgate. I mean, people will figure out a way to have fun with that, I guess, at football games. I don't know, but it's going to be I, – I view. I really view this as a, as, as a game changer, and it is possible to do this. I mean, we know from Will Ferrell's Super Bowl ad that Norway, already more than 60% of the cars on the road are electric. So right. it is li- it is possible to do this. Uh, consumers. So, so people are clear, Scott. Yeah. Um, the proposed one hundred and seventy four billion dollar investment in electric vehicles, which is part of uh, the president's Build Back Better agenda. Uh, this is not him kowtowing to AOC and the squad. This is not a Green New Deal. Uh, that is not the um, uh, that that is not the reason for this. The reason for this is. You know, the rest of the world is moving forward and we need to catch up and keep up and move forward with them. Correct. Yeah. And in addition, you're creating jobs. In addition, uh, you know, we don't we don't want to have to buy uh, these electric vehicles built overseas if we can and we can do them ourselves and do them better. We want yeah. to have Americans have an option of American products to buy. And then on top of it, you're helping the environment. <laughs> and and like all the people I said that owned electric cars during this uh last uh, very brief gas crisis, you know, they, they weren't complaining. They weren't standing in line. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And, and I think here is the fundamental issue is that, you know, more Americans are on board with this idea that we need to do something about, about climate change and greenhouse gas emissions. And we need to find ways to reduce those. And obviously changing your transportation fleet is one way to do that. And the way to get that started is to build out a charging infrastructure uh, and to have the government buy electric vehicles because the government is a large purchaser that helps to create scale to provide consumer incentives uh, to buy electric vehicles uh, and to make sure that our automakers are on board. And none of those things have ever come together before because you'll probably remember who killed the electric car. You remember that where you know GM had electric car and then they killed it off 
Uh, and then even even Obama and the Recovery Act, they did a lot to start up these uh, these companies, but they didn't do enough on the demand side to get consumers invested in them. So I think Biden gets it. And, and you know, he's got all these bases covered. This is right. People are going to buy electric cars. The question is, are they going to come from China? Are they going to come from the United States? And unless we invest domestically in this, they will come from China. Exactly. And that means jobs are going to go there. And right. So now, exactly. And then we're creating our own. We, yeah. we as consumers, I mean, the, the corporations have responsibility to open the plants and to build the things here um, and to create the jobs here. Uh, because their headquarters are here, right? Uh, they're That's American right. companies, right? So you know, right. make make them in America. But we also, as consumers, have a responsibility to buy American. Did you own an F one fifty truck uh, yourself? I did not, but we have but a Chevy. Volt. Joe Biden did yeah. though, didn't he? Yeah, didn't, I, well, didn't I President think Biden have, have he's, he's, he drives a Corvette occasionally. I think is the car that he's seen in with the with the sunglasses as yeah, well. The yellow. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I heard that he uh, was a, a former F-150 owner, and so he was familiar with the, that uh, that truck. Um, it, you know, he, the president stresses with this, and I know AAM is non-political, but bipartisanship in the negotiations about an infrastructure bill, um, obviously they're talking back and forth, trying to lay the policy groundwork so that the automotive industry is producing solely electric vehicles by 2050. Some people might go, you know, kicking and dragging and screaming, but we have had evolutions before. Um, we went from horse-drawn carriages to vehicles and people were afraid. And we can't imagine being in a horse-drawn carriage unless, you know, we're, you know, doing uh, Central Park in New York, right? Um, if if somebody is into that, somebody uh, may not be. Uh, but you know, I mean, this is a lot of people are going to be very hesitant. But if by 2050, that's all people are producing, you know, supply and demand, if that's the supply, the demand will increase for that. It 100 percent will. And again, you get that charging infrastructure in place that takes care of the range anxiety. You're building vehicles that go four to five hundred miles. They're quality vehicles. They're popular models like the Mustang or the or the F-150. Um, this is going to make this not an elite or a coastal thing. This is going to get in to the Midwest. And again, the most important thing for me is where are the jobs going to be? And so if we're making these investments in the United States, they will be here uh, and our companies will be leading. But if we screw this up, this is going to end up like mobile phones. Right. We have this great technology, a lot of consumers, but we don't make a single one of them in the United States of America. And we don't want that. The other thing is if you have electric cars, you're going to have charging stations. I just see so much opportunity for businesses and for jobs, 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 like you said. By the way, the president said, my name is Joe Biden and I'm a car guy. He definitely <laughs> is. Scott, we love you, uh, car guy or not. Uh, Scott Paul is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow them on Twitter at Keep It Made in USA and follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. At PrepNet Virtual Academy, we see online learning as a balancing act. We provide options that offer structured school days. And in-class flexibility. Traditional methods. And modern advancements. A high school diploma. And an associate degree for free. It, it all, all comes, comes together. together to create a one-of-a-kind learning experience. PrepNet Virtual Academy, a new kind of school. Learn more about our virtual K-12 school at PrepNetVirtual.com. 
The Memorial Day sale is happening now, so get in the spirit of summer with holiday savings from JCPenney. Shop doorbuster deals this Friday to Monday only. Save up to 60% on select swim styles for men. And get select St. John's Bay and ANA tees for $5.99. And microfiber twin sheet sets for just $9.99. Plus, save an extra 25% with coupon. Celebrate every summer moment with JCPenney. Offers valid 528 through 531. Coupon offer valid through 531. Some exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.